Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, this is Liz Candace. This is Nikki Collins. What up guys, this is Essence Carson. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. Welcome back to WNBA Nation, everybody. So good to have all of you tuning in today. My name is Kyle Haywood, and I am joined today by my good friend Logan Jones. Logan, how are you today? Kyle... I'm pretty sure. This is this is one of the first times I've asked that question and legitimately already known how you've been. <laughs> I'm I'm not great, but I will persevere. Um the uh, Seattle Seahawks made a trade today. Uh they they traded their future for a worse, less good future. So, <laughs> so we'll is, we'll talk Logan's about official- the trades today instead because that's a lot that's my happy place uh the, the w is really my haven lately for sports as, as my individual sports teams one by one just decide to suck for the next decade so <laughs> what i love about it is uh yeah I, i'm assuming that your your official stance on this is i sad yeah, yeah it's just yeah, that's, that's all accurate. you're gonna say <laughs> just i sad well, everybody, there is so much news to talk about. Goodness. Uh, we took a little bit of a, uh, we basically went through and did like our conference turning predictions and we did some other quick things. Um, but, uh, man, has a lot gone down in just the last couple of days. It has been, um, just, just absolutely chuck full for, uh, for, <laughs> for news. Um, I mean, the last episode, like last true episode, other than our tourney predictions, was you and Steve talking about the uh, the Howard Megdahl uh, article that came out about the travel issues, and and isn't it? Doesn't that seem like forever ago now? Yes. At this point, like I feel yes. like that feels so long ago as far as news dropping. Um, Everything before that Sunday in conference championship play. Uh, feels like an eternity ago because <laughs> the, the landscape of college basketball really shifted uh, in a hurry, and now it feels like a whole new world that we're living in. We're in we're in conference tourney season, single and bracket season. So, <clears throat> absolutely, we're going to be talking about March towards the end of the episode, everybody. But today, let's start things off, Logan, with what I would consider not just basketball news, but kind of international affairs news. Um, yeah, I, I guess I can't really say news as much as we just, it's time for us to 
talk about this, uh, about Brittany Griner, uh, seven time all star, two time Olympic gold medalist, and one of the best players to ever play basketball has been detained and arrested at a Moscow airport. Um, as she was on her way, uh, as she was traveling, uh, out of there, she came, uh, basically authorities found vape cartridges, um, in her, in her bag, uh, containing oil that she wasn't allowed to have and have detained her. And she's now been there as far as I've been able to tell weeks now. Um, it has been, has been, uh, there for a while. It's not, it's not something that just happened just the other day, but it has, she's been gone for a while. Um, the scary part about this is that, uh, like Russia has a very, very, um, big, it's pretty harsh as far as like what they considered, um, oil, the hash oil that she has is basically a marijuana concentrate. Um, but, uh, she, you know, it's used in a, in a vape pen, and Putin cracked down big time on like a lot of uh, drug stuff. And currently from what I was able to read and, and find out is that, uh, um, large scale transportation of drugs can carry a sentence of up to 10 years in prison. Now, I don't believe that this would be considered large scale, obviously, as it's just a few, um, a few vials of this hash oil, but, um, it's, it's definitely a little unnerving considering the global landscape and what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, um, and, you know, United States involvement. And basically I think everybody's big concern is, is, uh, if Griner would be used as a high profile hostage, uh, in Russia, you know, like, um, Again, that sentencing, or if she's found guilty, she could be sentenced up to 10 years in a Russian prison. And I don't think, um, I don't think that it doesn't sound, um, pleasant at all. We as a show have been very concerned. Um, we've been talking about it a lot in our own chat and trying, we tried to keep a lot of our public comments, um, I guess a little bit minimal, but Logan, I'm curious when you saw this news come across and, and as you've learned a little bit more about it and as things have gone on, uh, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on this and, um, you know, like what, you know, what's going through your mind when a situation like this, uh, comes along. Yeah. This, uh, this whole story makes me pretty uneasy for Griner's sake. Uh, first of all, learning that, um, like as the news broke, learning that we were three weeks behind the curve, uh, was, like it, it kind of had this sinister feel to it. Like, oh, this has been going on and nobody knew. Um, and now it's by the time this episode is out, it's going to be close to a month that this, this has happened. Um, the the other uneasy aspect of it, at least to me, is it's not out of the question that, as you mentioned, she is being used as kind of a political pawn, right? Um, rather than facing, I guess, uh, you know, justice according to the the laws of the country that she's in. I, I don't know that for sure. So I don't know how to provide analysis in that regard. Um, it's entirely possible that she, she was trying to sneak stuff. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that an athlete has tried to, to fly with stuff that they haven't been able to, that they weren't supposed to have with them drug related, right? But it's to me, it certainly smells more of what you mentioned, which is trumped up charges designed to, 
either make her look bad or get something out of the U.S. in exchange. Um, and you obviously don't like the idea of anybody being used as kind of trade bait um, because this is, you know, someone's life that we're talking about. And the idea that if American politicians don't play ball, they'll just put her in a prison somewhere for 10 years. is mm. like It's hard to wrap your mind around because it just feels like something out of a Batman movie. It doesn't feel like something that's real at all. Um, so it's a, it's an uneasy story and it's, it's rightfully the one a story on a lot of sports websites right now, because it's like, we like, we don't really know what can be done about this. There's some legal recourse that the U S can take and the W can take, but, uh, it's, a, it's, it is, we, we have some comments in the chat that are echoing. I, I know what, um, Steve and the rest of us have been chatting about in our internal chat this week, which is, um, Russia is not the most open-minded country when it comes to LGBTQ right. issues and things like that. Certainly their drug policies and they, they know who Brittany Griner is. She's a high profile, you know, person in, in the sports landscape. And she's kind of at their mercy right now from what, from what we can gather. And it's, it's also just hard to get accurate news and information out of Russia at the moment, if you haven't yeah. noticed. So um, so all of these elements kind of combine into th- this story is kind of just like rolling forward based purely on hearsay and, you know, politicians and legal professionals putting, you know, giving their input and saying like, well, this is potentially how we could move forward. But there's not a clean solution here because it's not a, a normal circumstance. And I think it's a. It's it has potential to be an extremely dark chapter in the W's history moving forward because Griner is so high profile, and this is uh this this is going beyond the scope of sports and bleeding into world events now, which is is something that you know happens in sports from time to time for good or for for evil, and this is this is one of those downsides of sports kind of going beyond the realm of entertainment. Uh, because now we're bleeding into like the, the geopolitical issues of our day. Yeah. Talking about trying to get Brittany Griner home. Yeah. I, I'm really, uh, it's really frustrating. Um, and really sort of unnerving to consider everything that's going on with it. Um, I'm glad you brought up the fact that, um, you know, she's a, she's a black lesbian American over in Russia right now. Uh, and with everything going on in Russia, that's, you know, uh, they do not look well on any of those three categories of people. Um, you know, Russia's been all over headlines for the last several years in with a lot of their anti LGBTQ laws. Um, you know, and she's very, uh, open about her own sexuality. And yeah, it's, I, I just don't think, I just don't think that this bodes well on very unfortunately for what's going on here, which, opens up a whole other can of worms that we, we obviously have a lot of discussions, um, as far as, you know, reasons why we don't like our players having to go overseas to play. Generally, those discussions, Logan, have been because of basketball related, you know, issues of we wanting, we want them to have a true off season. We want their bodies to recover. We want them to get some rest. We want them involved in the community. Um, you know, for Griner's, uh, using Griner as an example, having her be involved in the Phoenix communicate, uh, community in the off season, you know, building up a fan base, that sort of situation. I didn't consider international politics and war to be, you know, among 
one of those reasons. And yet here we are. Um, and that's, it's, it's really unfortunate. Um, obviously as, uh, many of you, uh, many of you are, are like us and, and are trying to watch any news, um, being reported from this, um, as, as close as we can. Um, obviously in all thoughts and prayers and everything, um, that we can, uh, do to help, uh, Brittany Griner, we, we should be, um, you know, if you, uh, if you have an opportunity to make connections with, um, you know, your representatives, uh, letting them know your concern and your, your care about Brittany Griner so that that can get passed up. And, and, uh, I'm sure that, um, you know, people in the Pentagon and others are aware of the situation and are working on it. Um, and you know, we can only just, at this point, sit back and, and hope for the best possible situation um, for her mental, her physical health, all of it, um, and just hope she can come home safe. And, and uh, you know, it's just one of those much, much bigger than basketball type of situations. So, and uh, Logan, any last thoughts on that? Um, just the, as you kind of mentioned at the end there, it, it kind of colored the whole weekend, even though we had an amazing weekend in college, but women's basketball, um, it was weird to see, you know, tweets in regards to the Griner story right next to like I think UConn was playing like their their conference quarterfinal or semifinal at the same time as this story was breaking. Yeah. And so it was like, well, we want to focus on the basketball that's being played, but we also don't want to take attention off of this very important like major news story. Um, so it was just one of those things that felt kind of icky because I wanted to get excited about conference tourney weekend. And at the same time, it's like, oh, there's, there's obviously like a kind of a, a more ominous story at work here. So it was really interesting. I know by, by Sunday, we were still all in on, you know, watching, we were watching Kentucky in the SEC tournament and we were getting <laughs> excited about things like that. And we'll obviously have the rest of our show today to talk about things that we're excited about, but that's, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be probably giving updates on the Griner situation until it's resolved just because this, uh, it's a pretty major deal, um, even outside of the the realm of W sports that we kind of operate in and the community that we're a part of. I mean, this is it's going to be one of those ongoing sports stories, just like MLB owners and just like any other major news story of the day. So, yeah, absolutely. Logan, moving on to a little bit, uh, I guess we could say lighter news uh, and something that I'm really excited about. We finally have a platform that is um, a major platform, I should say, where we have an option to play some WNBA fantasy basketball. I'm super stoked about this. I've only played fantasy basketball once, and that was about a decade ago. Um, I have not played hardly at all. But you, uh, you better believe that the four of us will be having a, uh, a host league as well as we'll, uh, we will be hosting another, um, probably listener league. Some of you, uh, with our first priority coming to those of you who are subscribed to us all over on Twitch, you will get first dibs as far as hopping into that listener league. Um, and so we're excited about that. Um, Logan, I know you and I talked before you haven't done much with fantasy basketball, but you and I do play some other fantasy sports. And, uh, I'm excited to maybe have some head to head matchups with you now when it comes to the WNBA. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see how this works. Obviously there's a limited player pool in the WNBA. Um, there's, you know, a million players in fantasy baseball and fantasy football, which is sort of the corner of fantasy sports, fantasy sports that I've hung out in before. Now I've never right. done fantasy NBA. 
Um, I've never done fancy WNBA, so I'll, I'll probably get smashed, but I'm excited to give it a shot. Um, I figure if I can secure the number one pick and get a nice, get a nice power forward, getting, getting me minutes, getting me points every game, uh, I should be okay. But I, yeah, I don't know in terms of strategy, uh, for, for fantasy sports. I don't know a thing about fantasy basketball. Um, I am our dynasty league's reigning champion in fantasy football. However, I better go ahead and slip that in now. I don't know when else I'll be able to talk about that. Um, but in terms of growing the league, I think this is an important step. Um, there's obviously a million things that go into legitimizing your league and getting involved in, in making as much money and having as much success as possible. And fantasy sports is one of those big drivers. Um, betting on sports is one of those big drivers as, as icky as that can kind of feel sometimes. Um, it's, it's just part of the, the draw these days. Um, just being active on social media and having some sort of fantasy element has helped a lot of sports really grow. Um, even the ones that are already kind of major mainstays in our culture. So, uh, I'm excited that ESPN has finally jumped on board and every little step that we can get the major sports hubs to take in order to treat the W like the legitimate league that it is, is a win. So we're going to, I mean, it, it seems like just kind of a superficial thing, but is actually a, is kind of nice. I consider this yeah. to be actually like a, a pretty important. One of those little things that like a couple years down the road, we're going to look back and be like, Oh yeah, I, we used to not even have fantasy on ESPN's website. We do. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, we, we used to not have, uh, I just love when any like small indication of growth and public demand for WNBA, uh, news and notes and scores and everything. Um, it gets me excited. You know, I have different, uh, apps on my phone where I track scores and things like that. And, uh, I remember the day that the WNBA showed up on like, for example, the score app. Yeah. That was um, a big deal. That was, I was stoked because that's my preferred app as far as what I check my scores and sports news and everything on. So that was big for me. I remember that. And I think this is a very similar type of situation. Um, I think hopefully this is going to bring some people into, uh, following the league. I mean, for for those of you who don't know, um, when NBA Live included the WNBA in their video game, they aren't even like the big video game. You know, that's the uh, uh, that's NBA 2K. But like when NBA Live included them the uh, for the first time, that that was essentially the catalyst that led to you know all these different uh, dominoes falling that ended up with us starting our own podcast and being here and now having, you know, five years now of, of, uh, WNBA coverage from the four of us. And so, yeah, there's a lot that, um, there's a lot that can happen with just a small and simple thing like, Hey, we, we offer fantasy basketball for the WNBA. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a, a major YouTube channel show up because of that, you know, to provide better WNBA coverage. So, um, overall, I'm pretty stoked about it. Uh, quick shout out. So let's, let's take a quick break and, and give a shout out to, uh, those of you who are listening to us here on Twitch who are, uh, hanging out in the chat. We've got a ton of t- chat comments today, obviously, with all the news that's been happening over this weekend and even this morning. Um, and shout out to, uh, I'm just not going to read that out, but all the numbers, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for numbers? hitting us up with the, the subscription. It might be a phone number. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. So I don't want to read that, uh, uh, I don't want to read that out loud in case, uh, in case 
it needs to remain private. But uh, appreciate <laughs> the the subscription there. But uh, Logan, how else can people interact with us? What's the best way for people to interact with our show? Yeah, first and foremost, you can watch us record our episodes live on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash WNBA Nation is where you can find us. Um, and our Twitter home is at WNBA Nation Pod, where you can get all the latest news and updates from the show. You can also get merch at our Store Envy page, uh, Store Envy dot WNBA Nation. Where did it go? Yeah. It just disappeared. <laughs> Uh, I always do this part and then the graphic changes and I'm like, oh, it's on, there's a store envy page. You can get, you can get cool t-shirts. WNBAnation.storeenvy.com. There you go. There it is. <laughs> Sorry guys. Uh, it's been, it's been a long day, man. Don't, don't trade Russell Wilson to the Broncos. Uh, <laughs> you can also subscribe to the show on Twitch with your Amazon Prime account, uh, which helps our show out a lot. And then finally, if, you listen to our podcast on a podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, which is likely because you're listening to my voice right now. Go ahead and drop a five-star review. Uh, it helps us get the show a little bit out there. And if you leave some nice comments, we'll read them on the, on the air. Give you, give Absolutely. you your flowers. In fact, I think it's we have nice. one of those. I don't know if you have that in front um, of you, but I think we, we have covered them review. actually. I did oh, good. with, with, I, I covered both of them. And then, uh, Jason even gave a double shout out to MC Patters. On that one, so that brings out a double shout, which is good. It's just fine. It's good. But yeah, no, I uh, we love interacting with people. Um, We love getting those reviews. We love seeing people chat in Twitch. Uh, Twitter is obviously the best place you can find us. That you know at WNBA Nation Pod. And oh, and by the way, you can subscribe to us on Twitch without an Amazon Prime membership. It just costs you a couple bucks a month. Um, you know, it's like five bucks a month. So it's, it's kind of like a Patreon. If you just want to set up like a five, you know, five bucks a month, if you can spare five bucks to help us, uh, and our coverage of the league and you appreciate it. Um, we, we appreciate that type of support. So, um, you know, shoot a couple uh, bucks our way, uh, each month. And that actually can go a long way as far as, um, our ability for uh, for hosting and different things like that. So we appreciate any and all support that y'all give us. Uh, Logan, can we talk about this Dallas-Indiana trade? Gosh, yes. That went down? Oh, um, my gosh. It's, it's the most, it's the most, like, minimal trade that I have thought, been thinking of consistently, like, so much today. It seems on surface value, when you see a trade like this, usually it's like, Meh. Okay. A bunch of, you know, draft picks got traded around. Whoop-de-doo. No, no, I think there's a lot more to this than that. All right. So for those of you who aren't aware, the Indiana Fever and the Dallas Wings had a trade today. Um, the Fever are going to receive, um, the number four and number six overall picks for this upcoming draft in 2022, as well as the Dallas first round pick next year in 2023. So they pick up three, um, three first round picks, two for this year and two for next year. They gave up. So Dallas receives in the trade, um, one of our favorite players in the league, uh, big Tierra McCowan, um, who we would just scream and yell constantly when she wasn't getting enough playing time in Indiana because we think that she's a difference maker on the court. So excited to see what Dallas can do with her. Dallas also received the, the number seven overall pick in 2022. And then, um, the, another first round pick from Indiana. Um, well, 
from Chicago via Indiana, we should say. They get the Chicago first round pick in 2023. So at first, it's basically like, oh, they traded Tierra McCowan for some draft picks. But here's the thing. Indiana has recently restructured a little bit of their front office. Um, I don't think that what they've got in place now is going to be long term. I think it's just going to be, you know, a, a placeholder until they can get maybe somebody who's going to step in a little more long term. But it seems as though they've basically hit the rewind button um, because every pick that they've had from the last like three or four drafts is not on their team. You know, Kaiser Gondrezic, uh, Lauren Cox, now Tierra McCowan, and like, like so many of these num, these first round draft picks that Indiana's had over the last couple seasons, not on the roster anymore. And I don't know about you, Logan, but generally, I don't think that's a positive thing. However, um, it looks as though they are loading up on draft picks for this year and next year. Um, they currently have seven draft picks total in this upcoming draft with four of those coming in the first round, they've got the number two, the number four, the number six, and the number 10 draft picks in the first round this year. Uh, Logan, I'm, I'm just curious as, as we saw this, obviously we talk about Tierra McCown a lot. What were your, what, what's your reaction to this trade? And, and if you were to make a pick on who, uh, who came out of this trade on top, who would you say? Uh, I'll go in order. First of all, I think good for Dallas. Um, Dallas needed to make some move. They, there's not a lot that Dallas is going to be able to do with upcoming first round picks with the amount of youth they already have on their roster. I do think they needed to get a little bit more experienced. Uh, I know they've got a lot of bigs there already on paper, but they don't have a tier McCowan and to add a, a low post defender like McCowan to what they're trying to do there. I think that helps their team a lot. Uh, they were the number seven seed in the playoffs last year. They're obviously going to try to move further in the right direction in a really in a stacked league um, full of really, really powerful big three and big four type <laughs> teams this year. I mean, it feels like every team is going to be fielding three all-stars in their starting lineup. And then you've got this Dallas team that's full of first and second and third year players. Um, I think this is a really good move for them. I don't feel like losing those draft picks is going to cost them too much in the long term. Um, right. This is also a really good move for McCowan as a player. Um, so Agreed. I'm excited for her as well. But I don't know if it was a bad move for Indy. This is one of those rare trades where I don't think there was a, an obvious winner and an obvious loser. I don't think Indiana was getting anywhere with the Kelsey Mitchell, Tierra McCowan, and then a bunch of like veterans being overpaid kind of structure that they've been working the last. And they, I say overpaid, not, not as an insult to any of those players. Like we, we love several of the players that play in Indiana, but they're, they're not allocating their money as well as. You know, look at a team like Chicago or Minnesota that's trying to like, you know, basically roster like 10 or 11 players in order to, to just afford all of the talent they have packed into that locker room. Indiana kind of has the opposite problem. They're, they're trying to fill out a roster. Um, and they, my heart kind of breaks for Kelsey Mitchell because I think she's an underrated talent in the league and I don't think there's anything good coming for Indiana this coming season. Um, and I'm I'm not to the point where if if McCowan is gone and they're going to hit the hard reset button, I hope Kelsey Mitchell can find a way onto another roster at some point. <laughs> um, just because I I want to see her be good in the league and, and not have to have another year of her relatively young career kind of just wasting away in Indiana. But um, I you know 
drafting is always a numbers game. I do think it's smart to to stack picks like this. You have a lot of flexibility now. You can package a couple of those picks and trade to a, a team desperate to get into the draft for some veteran leadership. Um, you can go ahead and use those picks and kind of replenish all of the cuts that you've made over the last year. Um, I don't know if this is the draft where you want to have a bunch of first round picks. Yeah, I, w- I would maybe go two seasons. <laughs> yeah, if this I, draft was if this draft was twenty twenty four, then we're talking because yeah, that yeah, draft 20, that class is starting think, to look really I think deep. Next year is good too, but yeah, twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four is they're going to be the drafts that are kind of full of like potential like franchise changing talents. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, the way that the WNBA draft system works, I, I think twenty twenty three is still going to be a really good year for Indiana's draft positioning too, but. Um, I'll be interested to see how many of these picks they actually make come, come draft season, which is coming up in a hurry. Um, they're kind of taking the Dallas approach that Dallas took two years ago where they, they had like five picks in the first two rounds. They used almost all of them. Uh, and I think they're going to just try to feel the team full of young talent and see what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for, for Indiana, that puts them on a similar timeline as Dallas, which is, it's going to be, two to three seasons before any of this really turns into like a serious playoff team. And that's right. under the best of circumstances. And they've already been wasting away for so long that I'm not sure. Personally, I don't know if I can be patient waiting, you know, waiting for them <laughs> to, to regenerate. And I mean, you had good talents in Kelsey Mitchell and Tara McCallan, um, but I understand also that they've made a major front office change. Um, a lot of times when you get someone new in charge of a team, they want to put their own stamp on the team's outlook and identity and locker room. And I think that's what they're doing. I think they're yeah. offloading their recent picks. I think they're taking a new approach and that takes some time. So we're going to have to, to give them a little while to see if this works out. Um, but man, this, I, I won't criticize the fever for trying something different. And no, for, exactly. for trying to hit a, uh, the hard reset and trying for something new because that's well, what they need. Well, and how often the last two seasons have we said, like, is Indiana awake? Like, are they going to do anything? Like, are you know, like someone just wakes someone up in that front office because they haven't made any moves. They're at least making moves now. Now, some of you might be confused as to why they're making those certain moves, you know, and releasing who they've released and trading and all these different things. But they're making the moves. You know, they're at least it's at least happening. So. uh So, yeah, I mean. We'll see. Well, there's a comment in the chat saying, I'm, I'm sure Charlie Collier is thrilled by this trade. And I know I've seen lots of <laughs> other commentary too. Like, Oh, like, what are they doing? Like they have, they have Awa queer and they have Bella Allery and like they have bigs already. None of those players I just named are anybody in the WNBA yet. They've, right. they're full of potential. They've only been in the league a year. We know that the W is terrible about, about playing rookies. Tira McCowan is a legit WNBA player already. Yeah, and I would much and rather would be a more legit player if she wasn't in Indiana. Yeah, I would much rather bet on the past performance of a young, like good WNBA caliber talent than a player who was drafted a year or two ago that really hasn't blossomed yet. Like they, they still could. Bella Allery could be a stud. Charlie Collier could be a stud. I, I think they will be players in the W for a long time, but. I would rather have the known commodity if I'm Dallas and I'm trying to move in the right direction and be competitive in the playoffs for the next couple of years. So yeah, I, exactly. I get it. 
Um, as far as uh, as far as those picks go, just to, to give everybody a, a, a quick um, outlook. Now, this is my own personal mock draft that I came that I've come up with. That's kind of been my pet project this year. Um, as far as if I were to look at my current two, four, six, and ten, um, and who I would take at those spots if I was Indiana. Um, that would probably include Nalissa Smith, if assuming she doesn't get picked up by Washington. If she does get picked up by Washington, obviously I'm going to take Ryan Howard. So whoever of Howard and Smith don't go number one overall, that's who, who uh, Indiana's going to get at number two. At number four, I've got Ashley Jones um, at a wing, who is a, a big-time scoring wing, which who can knock down the three ball. That's something Indiana desperately needs. Um, is just scoring capabilities uh, around the perimeter to assist out with uh, with what they've got in Kelsey Mitchell there. Um, and then at number six, I've got Nas Hillman out of uh, Michigan. And um, I think that she's she's could be one of those players that might be a little under the radar that um, people aren't as excited about, but might literally show up and could be like a, a rookie of the year type of situation. And then down at number 10, I've got Lorella Kubai. Um, but also just below that, I've got Kirsten Bell, Lexi Hull, Ray Burrell, Emily Angsler, Kristen Williams, Avina Westbrook. Like all of those are potentials there. So, you know, for Indiana, you take who you can at that two, four, six. And then at that number 10, you're not picking for a while. You just look, all right, who's left and who fits us best? Who do we think has the highest ceiling? Um, you know, of, of who's left. And so if Indiana does end up keeping all these picks, I don't think that they, uh, they, they've got a lot of terrible options. Um, you know, now what they'll probably end up doing is picking somebody that was, you know, who I've got projected for third round because that's what, you know, we have seen that happen before from Indiana. But either way, um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, last thing, Logan, we have had a blast with some conference tourneys. We've seen some big games, obviously Kentucky taking down number one, South Carolina to bring home the SEC title was a huge, huge part of, uh, of the weekend, but it wasn't just that Stanford took care of business against Utah after Utah had a really solid run to the championship game. Um, we just saw Gonzaga take down BYU just as we were, uh, you know, firing up this podcast. Um, there's quite a bit going on with these, um, with these conference tournaments and I got to give a shout out to my IUPUI Jaguars. They just, they just went zeros and, and, uh, locked, uh, locked a spot in the tournament. And, uh, and I was pretty excited, um, to see them take care of business. And, and, uh, there's been that IUPUI programs actually come along quite a ways from where they were just a few years ago. So Logan, any, uh, any commentary on things that happened with, uh, over the weekend or recently with conference tournaments? Yeah, we got to talk about the number one team in the country dropping the conference championship game uh, yeah. in what was, I mean, with five minutes left to go, looked like a surefire uh, South Carolina victory over Kentucky. And now Kentucky had already bumped off two ranked teams on the way to that title game. So we knew that they were playing right. good basketball. But what an unreal ending. Um, and kind of, I, I talked to you about this the other day. I, I think people agree that maybe a ticked off South Carolina team going into the bracket isn't the worst thing in the world. I still think <laughs> they deserve to be ranked number one in the country. I still think I, they are the best. I would team. agree as well. Yeah. Uh, South Carolina and Stanford to me is the top tier 
they, they're the upper crust of women's basketball this year. And then the second tier includes a lot of teams that you're going to be familiar with, like UConn, Louisville, maybe NC State, but NC State's going to maybe be injured going into the tournament and be disappointing. We don't know. Um, but they, it, you know, I, I still fully expect South Carolina to be kind of a lock for the final four, as much as any team can be, right? The, the tournament is tough. It's tough to win six games in a row. Single elimination means anything can happen. At the same time, I, I wonder if the pendulum has kind of swung too hard in South Carolina's favor because mm. they did blow that game. Uh, yeah, I know Kentucky's playing some amazing basketball at exactly the right time. And that matters to me. I talk about that all the time when the W comes around, right? Like playing your best ball at the playoffs, like when the playoffs run around and being healthy are the two most important things you can do to be successful in the postseason. Kentucky caught fire at the right time, and I will probably take them several rounds in the bracket unless they match up against someone I just don't like. Yeah, they look like a Sweet 16 Elite 8 team but, right now. But, but Kentucky could easily get dropped in the first round, too. If, <laughs> That's true. You know, they like, have been I, a little inconsistent. I, I am still scared to trust them. I'm still pretty confident I can trust South Carolina, especially if they're going to be playing angry. But we can't just overlook the fact that they – they did sacrifice a 10 point lead in the final minutes of a, of a conference championship game and just fell a little bit of sleep <laughs> there. So it, it still took a pretty clutch three pointer in order to get it done. Um, but that's the sort of thing that you usually face in March. So it, if you were going to go into bracket season feeling very confident about your South Carolina pick to win it all, I still think that's a totally fair thing to do. But now there's just a little, little grain of doubt in your brain when you do. Uh, pick them because you're you're starting to see, you know, Stanford, which played around with Utah for a half and then absolutely just outran them in the second half. I think they they held Utah to five points in the fourth quarter. Um, Stanford is really really good. There's there's probably seven, eight, nine teams besides those top two that have a really good shot at contending in the bracket this year. So I'm I'm not as confident taking South Carolina all the way as I would like to be. It feels like the favored team rarely actually like gets Does it you know gets to the finals and, and wins it all you're still gonna right. have UConn to contend with obviously um so we'll we'll see how the bracket shakes out and what the matchups look like but uh I'm curious if, if this uh raises or lowers South Carolina's stock in your mind having them come into the bracket season on a loss but maybe a little bit ticked off about it <laughs> uh it's a good question I honestly think um when it comes down to I, I tend to think that Don Staley and who I'm seeing there in South Carolina, I think this, that's a wake up call. That's a learning experience. You almost like to lose, you know, right before the playoffs or, or like early, you know, you'd almost like want to go in and maybe lose game one as a number one seed, not in the March Madness, but in like a playoff situation. If you're going into a series, right, a seven game series and you're the number one seed, you might lose that game one just to like wake you up and be like, oh yeah, no, we gotta, we actually gotta come out and play. Um, I, I think that that actually can be really beneficial. Now, that being said, South Carolina has seemed all but immortal all season. But when you drop games to Missouri and Kentucky, who aren't like your Stanford's, your uh, Michigan's, your Yukon's, your you know any of these top uh, these top dogs, they weren't you know they're not a, a major player in the top ten this season. But you know, it just kind of goes to show you that South Carolina has to focus up. Now I've got a lot of trust in Don Staley. 
Um, and basically everybody there in South Carolina, Destiny Henderson, Aaliyah Boston, and, and everyone there. I think that overall it's going to be a really positive thing, but I think that, um, it's, I think it's going to be positive in, in South Carolina's preparation, but I also think it's going to be a positive in the teams who go up against South Carolina and their preparation. So I think that it's just going to be an elevated experience in any of the games that South Carolina is involved with. Yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of guise of immortality evaporating can work for or against you. I, I'm curious, do you have any other teams that come to mind, uh, that, that endured big swings in, expectations for, for good or, or bad over this past weekend. I don't there's one, there's one for me that's kind of been sticking out. Uh, is it Michigan? Cause Michigan yeah. might be <laughs> Michigan. Well, I think, uh, was a, was a huge, uh, I think let down for what they were expecting to do in the big 10. Um, but also kind of on the other side of the coin in the big 10, we all, we mentioned this, we talked about this before. Good luck to anybody trying to pick, you know, a big 10 champion at the beginning of that tournament, because, the top five or six teams all could easily have taken that spot. Um, so as, as, uh, I, I think that Michigan lost a little bit of luster in, uh, in my eyes, but Iowa probably gained, uh, a, a decent bit of luster there. So, um, those are two teams that came, came to my mind in the, in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, anybody else for you? Yeah, those were definitely the ones I had in mind. I think the Big Ten tournament was, very telling. Although I've been so down on Michigan for so long now that I'm sure they're going to screw up my bracket by going on some crazy run here. And that's just, that's March. That's basketball. And I'm okay with right. that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a team that I don't particularly trust. And I think their stock went down. I also think BYU's stock went down a little bit. Uh, I know they, like, they started the year as kind of an expected bubble team and then they overperformed during the season. And now I'm kind of cooling on them once again. Um, but I, I am pretty high on Utah. Um, Utah kind of yeah. came out of nowhere. We, they're in our neighborhood, right? Like we're, right. we're an hour north of, of both of those teams I just mentioned. And so I pay a little bit more of attention to, to those teams than others. And the, the Pac 12 is not what it was last year. There's not six powerhouse teams that are going to come into this bracket with chances to win it all. Right. Um, but, but Utah is a legit kind of dark horse team. They, they, I think they, kind of made a statement on the way to the, the Pac-12 title game this year. They are not Stanford. I don't think they're going to beat Stanford. I think if they match up against Stanford in whatever quadrant they line up in, they're not going to beat them. But I think they can beat a lot of other teams, and most teams in the country aren't beating Stanford. So that's I don't think that's as much of a knock on them as as people think. I know they got blown out in their title game, but I would be on the lookout for Utah moving forward. Um, One other team I would probably throw in there as far as like – expectations and, and what went down. Uh, can we just, we got, I have to give a shout out to uh, that Louisville Miami game, destiny Harden, basically going on a 15 and 0 personal run and winning the game on a buzzer beater to, to upset Louisville um, and, and to take them out of that tournament, I think was, that was some, that was the stuff of a legend right there. And so seeing Louisville um, go down in that way, I think, I, I think was a little bit like, oof, okay, you know. <laughs> but um, I will say Louisville still looks really solid. Um, I think that Louisville could respond to this way in a very similar way that everybody's saying South Carolina is going to respond to Kentucky, you know, um, to that loss. And this could wake Louisville up. It's not that long ago that we also saw Louisville beating um, Notre Dame, like, what, 43 to 
four or something or 45 to four or something like that. Um, you know, that was the box score at one point in that game against, you know, a, two top ranked teams. So we know Louisville can do it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens there. But yeah. we also, we all might have like some fatigue, uh, watching Baylor win their, their conference every single year, but Nikki Collins, Baylor team went out and got it done yet again. Um, mm-hmm. so she, she left, if you're new to the show, she left the Atlanta dream right before last season kicked off in the WNBA, um, taking the Baylor job that Kim Mulkey left vacant when she went off to LSU. So that's, you know, I, I like paying attention to, to that. Obviously I pay attention to what Kim Mulkey is doing at LSU. Um, what coach Barnes is doing in Arizona. Like those were, those were last year's big players in the tournament. So right. I want to keep tabs on what they're doing. I think this tournament's going to shake out very differently. Yeah, uh, I'd agree if, with that. If you're picking based on last year's results, I don't think you're going to have a good time. <laughs> That's true. There's been a lot. There's a lot, been a lot going on um, that that has changed the landscape uh, significantly. Uh, Logan, I think that's all we've got for today. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening, everybody, um, and uh, and for being a part of our show today. We appreciate that. Um, Logan, any last words that you want to share with our listeners before we go ahead and sign off? Uh, no, just uh, keep keep. Paying attention to the show and, and the podcast feed over the next month. We've got a lot of stuff coming your way. Uh, I know we, we just put together our, our schedule and we're going to have bracket reveal shows. We're going to have, um, all sorts of updates while the, the tournament is going on. So I'm, I'm, this is my favorite time of year. Um, outside of maybe like the run up to the playoffs and the WNBA playoffs, this is kind of, uh, where we get our chance to shine and where we get to just enjoy a lot of really good basketball. Uh, I know what you just said a second ago. Um, about Miami's 15-0 run, I just keep thinking, yeah, every time we put together a bracket, we just think, oh, they're, they're going to totally win that game unless something crazy happens, like, <laughs> like, like UConn goes on a 19-0 run in the middle of the third quarter, right? But stuff like that happens in March all the time. That happens constantly, yeah. <laughs> so I'm very excited that we're finally here again. Um, I hope that we can have like a, a, a safe, fun tournament free of any COVID complications or anything like that. Um, I'm super pumped. Absolutely. Everybody, make sure you're paying attention. We will be hosting a bracket challenge uh, for all of our listeners, and uh, and we'll be uh, kicking some fun uh, prizes and rewards out to the, the winners of our bracket challenge as we do every year. So make sure you join in on that. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be sending out links to that here soon. Um, but thanks, everybody, for listening in for WNBA Nation. I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time. <laughs>